Hello and welcome to Love Signals. My name is Michaela and I will be your host as we go on a journey of exploring all the ways that God is sending love, love signals, love feelings, love truths to us and through us. <laughs> welcome back everybody. This is episode 64 and here we are. It's the end of August. And actually, the day that this episode comes out is um, the many-year anniversary of my mom and my dad and their marriage. They got married in uh, 1986, I believe, and they got married on August 30th, which is just such a sweet day. And this also happens to be the two-year anniversary of Dylan, my now husband, and myself matching on uh, Bumble. <laughs> so... Ah, humble beginnings, humble bumble beginnings. And um, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that my mom and dad got married and that they had me. And I'm so grateful that um, some very, <laughs> very distant person who created Bumble, uh, you know, group of people who created Bumble uh, did that. And it allowed Dylan and I to come together. And you know what? I'm grateful for most of all in all of that is God. I'm grateful for the way that God brought my mom and dad together. I'm grateful for the way that God brought me and Dylan together because it's it's just great. It's just so great. And I, I'm just very here for it. So it's late August here when I'm recording this. It is getting hot again. We had some storminess last week, which was thrilling. And I've been married for about a month. It'll be a month tomorrow that I've been married. And it is so beautiful to experience marriage. And it really reminds me of this theme uh, for this week, which is trusting in God. It really makes me think about that because something I'm struck by again and again and again, as I read the Bible, as I study the Bible in various ways, um, through sermons that I listen to online, through books that I'm reading, through various translations of the Bible, through um, documentaries. Like I actually got to watch a really cool documentary called Logos and Literacy, I believe. Uh, it's a Jordan Peterson documentary uh, all about like the history of the Bible. And it's so cool. He went to this museum for it and all these different things. It was really awesome. I think it was only 45 minutes long, but I learned a lot. And I had already knew certain aspects of it, of, you know, the Gutenberg uh, printing press and things like that. But it was really cool to learn about how um, the way that the Bible was part of what incentivized people to become literate in Western Europe. And they even gave an interesting example that um, printing presses and all of that existed uh, in China, and that there were all these Buddhist texts that they had printed so many copies of. But because Buddhism isn't about the word and isn't about studying the word of whatever it is exactly that they believe in, and it's more about meditation, it's more about clearing your mind and about silence, the monks would just meditate on the sound of these rotating bookcases that have, were filled to the brim with all these books. They wouldn't read the books, though. They would just meditate on the sound of the rotation of the bookcase. And that was how, you know, their minds were 
calmed and cleared and all of that. So there's something about the combination of it being that um, the Bible has, there's this evangelical desire to share it, right? So there's so much desire to share it to get this book that's being printed to more and more people. But then that there's also this, this concept, this deep concept woven into the Bible of in the beginning, there was the word and, and logos is this, it's not just word, it's also logic, it's also order, it's also, you know, the organizing patterns of consciousness. And so there's a desire to understand the word and to understand the, the to understand God by understanding the words of the Bible, by understanding the order, the, the structures and the guidance that's present there so so anyway that was awesome I loved it it was great I highly recommend um and I'm just so struck by how God as I study scripture in all these different ways I'm so struck by how kind and loving and wise God is I think as somebody who came to Christianity later in life there's ways that I perceived it most of my life as like arbitrary rules, unkind, um, kind of harsh, really rigid, and um, just like not about joy, not about fun, not about um, love. Like it feels kind of like my perception was that it was like very fear-based, very just and I didn't know a lot about it, but I still had an opinion about it. <laughs> and as I've come to have a direct experience with the Bible and have a direct experience with Christ, it's it's so humbling to realize um, that I was wrong. <laughs> I was very wrong. And the the truth in here and the love in here, the deep, deep love that's in here, is so profound to me and um and also the to bring it back to the wisdom i i really see how and for, to give the example of being married you know marriage is a very um biblical idea and you know they talk about how the marriage of adam and eve that that was a marriage there may not have been you know um necessarily like an officiant or a ring bearer or all of those parts but they were the first man and woman on earth and God ordained their union, right? And and supported their union and they were united. And and there's a structural order to that that's very beautiful. And um and so then as we go on and and the Bible talks about marriage in various other ways, there's all these different blessings and um guidance that's given to us for how that relationship looks and it's just so beautiful to me because I can really see how my human understanding wants to come in and be like no I know better that doesn't seem quite right let me either change what the Bible's saying so that I like it more which I know is something I hear a lot of Christian apologetics talk about how people do that they they read the Bible and they edit it <laughs> so that they like it so that it it tastes good, you know, to their hearts and minds. I don't want to do that, right? That's not, that's trusting our own understanding rather than God. 
And to bring it back to this idea of trusting God, I want to trust God so completely that I relinquish any desire to rely on my own understanding. And that is a process. As somebody who, you know, I've got this this very strong mental capacity, I have lived a lot of my life orienting to the self, orienting to my heart, my feelings, my thoughts, my view, my truth, my, 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 my. And, and this sense, this, this false idea that, oh, if I'm in control, that's probably the best outcome will come from if I'm in control. But who decides what's best, right? Oh, me in that, in that situation. Again, it's me. It's I'm deciding what's best. But I don't know everything. I don't know all possibilities. Who does know everything? Who does know all possibilities? God. God knows everything. God knows all possibilities. And who has a perfect love? Who has a perfect will for us? Not me. I, I, once again, not only do I not know everything, but I also, I, I have so many ways that I can be influenced and so many ways I can get confused. And I have these impulses to do this or do that because I'm in that pleasure-seeking, pain-avoidance dynamic, right? But God sees the bigger picture. God also knows me, knows my heart. And so trusting in him and his, his will for me and his, his perfect plan that that's where I want to land. And I know I'm talking in circles here a little bit to loop back to this feeling I've been getting that, and this, this insight that's just been really underscored in my experience lately is that God's will for us is so perfect and it's easy to come in with human understanding and judge it and, and be suspicious about it or resistant to it. But as I explore, as I, as I give myself over to trusting God, I feel myself receiving all these blessings and I, and it's, it feels like it's beyond like logic or, or exact human understanding. It, it, it feels like divine intervention. For example, Dylan and myself, that's probably, that's probably not where one would say myself. I think Dylan and I, yeah, Dylan and I, <laughs> we're, we're figuring it out. Grammar. Uh, Dylan and I, here we are. We're married. We've been married about a month. It's been, we've had various trials that we've faced in this first month of being married from just the fatigue of travel coming back from that trip, then getting really sick for like over a week, um, and then dealing with like some kind of intense storms out here and potential flooding, and then all these deeper, bigger prompts to really go deeper in in our dreams and plans and and really ultimately what it feels like what God wants for us in our lives with um, all these all these very like logistical things and that's scary too because it's 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 potentially other transitions that we're going to be embarking on um, and it's beautiful but it's also scary and there's been times where out of fear my fear Dylan's fear out of just our like ah 
are we going to be okay? Like, can we do this? We've had moments of really intense tension and a feeling of separation um, of our hearts, I would say. And what I really am so struck by is that time and time again, either one or both of us will pray. We'll say, hey, let's just take a moment to pray. And right now, right here in this moment of conflict or fear, whatever is going on, like, I don't know what's going on. And sometimes we'll like angrily be like, let's just pray, you know, Um, because it feels like we're under attack. And there's this idea in Ephesians, they talk about it, that the, we're not battling flesh and flesh and blood or flesh and bone, maybe. Uh, What we are battling with is principalities. It's this idea of, it's a spiritual battle. It's, and so I think there's ways that the devil or, or darkness or whatever you exactly want to call it, um, the enemy, quote unquote, will seek to undermine this beautiful union that God supports, that God ordains, seek to undermine it and get a foothold. Maybe it's like, oh, there's just a little doubt or fear. And then it's like a little opening in the door and darkness wants to get in there and just be like, oh, I'm just gonna, this is, I can, that's all I needed. And from here, I can build a whole case of fear and doubt and hopelessness and despair. And it's just this like chaotic spiral. Right. And I, I know it happens for all of us because we're all human and we're here on earth dealing with this stuff. And I think it's there's ways it's more intense as Christians, as new Christians and as newlyweds, because there's there it's like the tender sprout that's just starting to get hardier and starting to grow deeper roots that could potentially more easily be knocked knocked out of the soil and wither and die, right? The, the tender roots of this, these early stages of my relationship with Christ and Dylan's relationships with Christ and our relationship with each other and with being married. This is a time when it's good to, you know, if, if, the goal, if your goal is what the enemy's goal is, this is a good time to swoop in and just try to demolish it, right? Reminds me of... <laughs> Now, I don't know the true Greek mythology, um, but I do know the Disney version of Hercules. And I think about how when Hades learned that Hercules would one day defeat him, he sought out killing Hercules. Now, I will say, I actually think that um, there's a total parallel to that story in the Bible because um, Joseph, the husband of Mary, Virgin Mary, he had all these dreams that prompted them to move to different towns when Jesus of Nazareth was an infant because the king reigning over that area at that time heard about Jesus and and heard about his birth and wanted to kill him because he knew that he would oh, he he saw him as a threat. He didn't understand the the true kingship of Jesus, at least that's my understanding of it. But he sought to kill uh, Jesus. And actually, I think at one point there was a decree to kill all infants under the age of two or something. Very sad, very sad stuff. And that's something that happened even, you know, in earlier in the Old Testament. Um, So it seems like a common theme, you know, this idea of somebody in power, some some person in power or, you know, in, in this situation, it's Satan, right? Satan trying to dominate the world um, wants to take out 
the the most early stage version of hope, the most early stage version of goodness, of purity, of, um, you know, deliverance. And so, so to bring back to the Disney Hercules, Hades, the Lord of the underworld, wants to kill Hercules as a baby, but he... And so he does this by making him mortal. <laughs> this is so funny. To, this is, I do not know if this is the true myth. This is just the one that I grew up watching at the Disney movie. He sends some of his, you know, henchmen to basically turn Hercules, who is a god, quote unquote, in the Greek mythology. I, there is one god. I feel very clear as a Christian. There's one god. Hercules is not a god. This is just a myth. This is just a story, an idea. Um, but that they basically needed to weaken him with this potion and then they could kill him. And so the issue was, though, he didn't drink all of the potion. There was one drop left. And so he still maintained aspects of the power that he had as a quote unquote God. And so he was able to kind of <laughs> fend off these henchmen when they tried to kill him because he was still super strong. Anyway, this is all to say, it does seem to be that evil seeks to destroy good when good is potentially more, more um, delicate, more fragile in those early stages. And so I think there's ways that Dylan and I have been dealing with that and God is so good. I feel how God has been using that experience because we keep turning to God, because we keep turning to prayer, because we we are both choosing to steep ourselves in scripture and in our relationship with God. I see how God is using this whole experience to show us, I've got you. I've got you. I'm here. Put your trust in me. And I feel myself and I, I imagine Dylan would agree that he feels this for himself as well. I feel myself changing for the better in really beautiful ways. And what I was going to say earlier that led up to me saying all these parts is that I don't always understand. It doesn't always feel logical, the the peace that I feel or the the relief that I feel. And that's where it really does feel like it's a form of divine intervention because my human understanding says, no, I should still be upset or we, we need to figure out the exact answer to this issue or, you know, just all these like super technical, like we have to go through all these steps and we have to process it in all these ways. And what I'm finding more and more often is that there's this wave of grace that comes through. And I feel like I receive the grace of Christ. And this idea of grace is it's when you are receiving something that you that's more than you deserve. So mercy is a side that mercy and grace are tied biblically. So mercy is when you're protected from experiencing something that you kind of deserve, like like when you know you're kind of saved from the maybe serious or severe feedback loop of what you did. Whereas grace kind of takes it a step further where it's you're not just protected from the the feedback loop of the thing you did and kind of being punished, so to speak. But even more than that, you're given blessings that you don't deserve. You're given love and 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 
upliftment and all these things that your actions don't necessarily lead to. It's it's not the the feedback loop that would be obvious or direct. It's you're getting more than you deserve. And this is what God gives us. This is what Christ gives us. And so I feel this sense of that grace flowing over me. I feel I receive it. I And from the sense of feeling how I've received it, I've and, and as I let my attention rest on that, I've received grace. And I'm receiving grace in this moment. Because so often when I'm upset, it's because it's partly because I feel insecure and I feel unworthy and I feel um, despair that that I can't do anything to make it better, that I'm, you know, weak and hopeless and whatever it might be. But number one, that's not true. And number two, what's actually true is that God is with me and God is my strength. God is anything good that's in me. And so, you know, darkness or the devil wants to convince me that, yeah, you are really bad. Like this, you must need to, and you know what? The only way you're ever going to feel good is if you do this or if you do that, or if you turn away from God in this way, or you turn away from your husband in that way, or, and it's like being goaded into deeper isolation with the enemy, <laughs> which is totally a classic thing that like bullies do, right? They, they, they get you alone. They try to get you alone so then they can work on you. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> I'm so grateful for prayer in those moments because it just it just feels so profound to reorient my attention to God and reorient my attention to the truth, the truth, and not the lies. Satan's called the great deceiver, the great accuser, um, and I think those are really important descriptions of him. Because when we find ourselves accusing ourselves or accusing others or potentially entertaining deceitful thoughts and ideas about ourselves, about others, about life, there's a sign that there might be some darkness at work there. So prayer in those moments is so profound and it comes in like, like, a breath of fresh air or cooling water that just helps me feel again like, oh, right, I belong to God. I've devoted my life to Christ and he has me. His grace covers me and his armor protects me. There's this um, beautiful piece. I think it's also in Ephesians, which I just started that book. I'm very excited. I've heard various quotes from it. Um, in my Christian journey, but now I'm reading it. So it's very like the whole thing. Um, but there's this passage about putting on the full armor of God. And it describes like each, each aspect of the armor and the, even the weapon, I think there's like a sword and all that, um, is a symbol and a metaphor. And it's, it's really cool. But so, I come back to the truth in those moments of prayer and I, I feel God's grace reminding me of what's true. And then from that place of feeling held by God, 
and this might happen very quickly, right? From that place of feeling held by God, then, and actually to clarify, I don't actually feel like it's always first I feel it, then I feel it for Dylan. Sometimes I feel it for Dylan and then I feel it for myself. Sometimes it happens simultaneously, but it seems to be there's these two aspects that go on when I pray. I feel myself receive grace and I, I see Dylan more and more through the eyes of Christ. And that's actually one of my prayers very often is, you know, Lord, please help, help me see Dylan through your eyes. Help me love him as you love him. Help me see him as you see him. And part of the journey as a Christian is this process of sanctification, which is becoming more and more Christ-like in our lives, you know, letting go of sin, turning away from sin, turning towards God. And so this idea of, for me at least, of seeing through the eyes of Christ, loving as Christ loves, that just feels like such a, such a beautiful prayer. It's probably a prayer that I will pray the rest of my life for every aspect of my life. Help me see this situation as you would see it, Christ. Help me love this person as you love them, Christ. And I feel, I, it's like I feel that paradigm wash over the situation when we pray. And it's not always immediate. And it's not always this like profound, whoa, shift. But sometimes it's, it's just enough to start to shift things in a new direction. Sometimes as we redirect our focus, there's still an awareness of the chaos around the edges, right? But then... It's like I focus on the light and I walk towards it and, and then my whole experience becomes saturated by it. And so trusting God, that's, that's what I wanted to focus on this week, trusting God. I trust God and, and I'm becoming more and more aware of the, the ways that I don't trust God and, and the ways that I kind of try to keep certain things for myself. And that's what I want to talk about next week, this idea of, what if you gave every piece of you, your heart, your mind, your body, your life to God rather than being like, no, no, I'm going to keep this one for myself. I want to be in control of this part. You can, I'd love your help with everything else, but like I need to manage this part. I don't really trust you to manage this part. I think I have to do it because that's something that I've really been having a lot of insights about lately. So I'm going to live into that more in the coming week and I will report back next week. But this this um, entry point for me has been the question of, or the idea of trusting God. How can I trust God more in my life? And, and what happens when I trust God? And I just feel so touched. And, and I don't want to push this idea on any of you. It's more I want to just share this with you all. Because I actually think having a direct experience of it is a million times better than just believing what I'm telling you about it. But I I want you to know my experience of feeling how much goodness and how much kindness is in what God wants for us. And as I learn more about the details of that through reading scripture and studying it in various ways and then living it, I'm so touched by how wise God is and how, how much he loves us. And it really does map well onto that idea of 
like the most healthy, loving, truly loving, truly supportive father. I really see how God is a father to us and he wants what's best for us. And it's not in an oppressive way. It's in this way that, that builds inside of it a deep yearning for us to be free because if we're free and we have free will, we can experience true love. And yes, that means that we're open to darkness because free will, oh, chances are, we're, you know, that, that creates the choice, right? It's, once there's a choice, that means there's dark and there's light. But that the willingness for God, because he loves us so much and wants us to experience true love, which requires choice, he was like, okay, evil's going to exist. That's just part of what has to happen here. And um, that he, to, to love a child and be willing because you know for their own good, they need to experience hardship. And they need to have the, op the option to choose to walk towards greater hardship too. So that they can also have the, the choice, the true, true choice to walk away from greater hardship and darkness and, and stress and all of that. To, to love someone, to love your child so much that you're willing to endure the pain, the sadness of seeing them struggle. That, like that, that there's a lot of self-sacrifice in that, in a way, right? Because... I know I have experiences of when you love someone, you just want what's best for them. It's it's hard to see them struggle. It's hard to see them suffer. And yet I, I, I can see into the window of parenthood. I'm not a parent, but I can see into that of, and even the way potentially I've experienced certain windows into this consciousness with coaching or even friendships or other relationships of knowing like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's so hard to see you suffering and struggling and I can see how you're learning from this. I can see how this is important for you. And, and my greatest prayer for anybody suffering and struggling right now is that you can trust God and turn towards him in this and that this situation, whatever it may be that you're in, can bring forth greater ease, greater peace, and greater closeness with our creator because that is the truest peace that I know that exists that is the truest the truest peace so may you trust in god this week try it out <laughs> try out prayer try out asking god for help and it's okay even if you're not christian you can still talk to god you can still talk to jesus you can still pray like you don't have to be 100% on board with all of this to have a relationship with Jesus, to have a relationship with God. God loves you and wants to love you and wants to be in your life. And of course, of course, as a Christian, I, I want you to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Of course I do, because I know that the, the power of that and what that really means. And I also know that God is not turning his back on you. It's only us who can turn our back on God. And so you can talk to God. You can pray. You can say, Jesus, help me. I don't know what to do. 
Jesus, be with me. You can have a relationship with Jesus. And uh, it's not all or nothing. <laughs> and I invite you to explore that if that feels um, like, if you feel inspired to. So next week, I'm going to explore this theme of what happens when we trust God with every aspect of our lives and, and what are the ways maybe we don't <laughs> let God uh, in and, and fully trust him. I'm excited to talk about that next week. And it's nice to have a topic queued up. So that is it for this week. And please know that I love you. Jesus loves you. There is so much love here for you in every single way. And if you're feeling disconnected from that in any way, just reach out. Just reach out to me. Uh, reach out to Christ. Say, hey, Jesus. I, I want to feel your love. Help me feel your love today. And God is so good and so almighty and powerful. I really believe that you can experience Christ today if you choose that. So may you be well. May God bless you. And until next time, take care. <laughs>